Today we are concluding our Recharge series that we've been working on now for several weeks. Pastor Mark, our senior pastor for both locations of Mount Perry North, got us kicked off about three or four weeks ago. Um, then I talked a few weeks ago. Uh, pastor Justin was here last week. So we've talked about our priorities. We've talked about our focus. We've talked about relationships. And so we've really been looking at as we get into the fall, as we start moving into the fall, I was telling our volunteers earlier, it amazes me that next Sunday, really before then, but when we gather together, we'll be in August. That's amazing to me. Um, But when we get into August, we'll be moving back to Sequoia because they had to kind of finish the construction projects because school starts in Cherokee County on Wednesday. If you're a teacher, an administrator, you help in the schools in some way, I think maybe you've actually been in the schools for a couple of days and for sure full-time starting uh, tomorrow. And so it's amazing to me that we're in the fall and kicking into the school system. But as we wanted to finish out the summer, we were looking at what things do we need to address? What things do we want to talk about as we jump into a fall? We get out of the summer, man, when we get into the routine of fall, we start talking about school for some of our kids, some of our families. We talk about maybe a different routine of work. We start talking about some, uh, as, as we move forward, it's going to get hotter for a couple weeks, then it gets cooler. And so our schedules change, the things that we do with our free time. And so we've been talking about focus and priorities and and our relationships. And so today we wanted to kind of conclude this series really where we could have started it. Recharging our spirits. Recharging the the innermost part of who we are. And one of the ways that we want to look at this, really the main way that we want to look, look at this today, is by looking at the Holy Spirit. Now I told, again, I told our volunteers earlier when we were meeting before service, I... Whenever I talk about or preach about the Holy Spirit, I am aware that in a room like this, there are some of you who you have no problem talking about the Holy Spirit. You believe in the Holy Spirit completely and all that that entails. you're, You're comfortable with the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and you're comfortable with all things Holy Spirit. You got shirts that say, I love the Holy Spirit. I don't know what, you're just comfortable with that. Some of you this morning, you walk in here, and this is a subject that makes you very uncomfortable. You, at some point in your past, maybe you had a bad experience with something that was or maybe was supposedly something of the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit or a Spirit-filled church. Maybe you you were a part of a service that you felt like was out of order or something that was uncomfortable. Maybe it's just the the confusing nature of the Holy Spirit itself or uh, whatever it is. Maybe you're just really uncomfortable. You don't know what you believe about it. You don't know what the Bible says about it. You know what other people have told you about it. And then there are a lot of other extremes within those those two things that I just said. Some of you are further right or left than those. Some of you are somewhere in the middle. You're kind of comfortable, but you're kind of not. And so I felt like that today, the best thing that we could do as we're talking about the Holy Spirit is just go to God's word. Instead of me giving you my opinion, instead of me giving you what I think or what my experiences have been, I want us to go to God's word today. And so let me just tell you that we are probably going to read more scripture together than we have ever done yet in a service of Canton Campus. So if you've got a Bible, get it out. If you don't have a Bible, but you have a smartphone of some kind that has a Bible app, you may want to get that out and see if you have more than one bar of service in this room. If you're with AT&T, good luck. Um, if you brought an iPad, maybe you brought a laptop. Maybe if someone around you has one and they're not looking, just steal theirs. It's fine. But um, we're, we're going we're gonna to really dive into God's Word. And, and, and most of these scriptures will be on the screen. But I, I encourage you, if you have any way to look at it for yourself, holding it in your hands, to grab it. And really, I encourage you to bring your Bible every week when we gather. Because we're going to go to God's Word every single week. We're not going to stand up here and give you a really good lecture 
or a bad lecture. We're not going to give you a lecture at all. We're going to God's word to seek out truth. So today we're going to, we're going to do that. And I want to pray one more prayer before we jump in again. And maybe this is just my own uh, feelings in this. And I am totally confident. I don't feel self-conscious about the subject matter at all. But I do want to pray that God's clarity would reside in this room as we listen to what God would have us to, to understand today about the Holy Spirit. All right, so bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray real quick. God, we just pray one more time that as we jump into this subject, that no matter what our context was before we came into this room, that we would seek the truth from your word about you, your nature, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. We pray that there's no misunderstandings at all. But God, if there are, that we would seek out the wisdom and truth beyond this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so if you got a Bible, I want you to flip with me to the book of John. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. Um, and I want you to, we're going to spend a couple minutes here in John, and then we're going to go a couple other places. We're going to flip around. Again, it's, some of this is going to be on the screen. Not every single passage will. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Jesus is still on the earth. Some of the New Testament, actually the majority of the New Testament as it relates to some of the, the books, Jesus has already left the earth. He has died on a cross. He's been raised from the, from the dead. He has ascended to God. But at this point, he's still walking the earth. That's why in some of these passages you see maybe red letters. These are the words of Jesus talking here. So John chapter 14, I want to begin in verse 16, and this is what it says. And I, Jesus talking here, I will ask the Father, talking about God the Father... And he will give you another counselor. Now, depending on your translation, it may say comforter, it may say encourager, it may say advocate. But the Greek word here is paraclete. Same word here. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get to. Who will never leave you? He will give to you another. The word another here doesn't imply something different than the one before. So Jesus is not saying, I'm sending you something different than me. He's saying, I'm sending you another just like me. Okay? Counselor, comforter, encourager, advocate, the paraclete here, who will never leave you. Everybody say never. Never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Jump to verse 26. But when the Father, still Jesus talking here. But when the Father sends the counselor as my representative here on earth, and by the counselor, I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything And will remind you of everything that I myself have told you. So when the Holy Spirit, when the counselor comes, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I myself have told you. Now, that would be great if we just left it there. Jesus is saying, hey, there's one coming. Uh, When I leave, there's another coming after me. Counselor, comforter, encourager, advocate, whatever. He's going to teach you. He leads to all truth. Verse 17 said he's going to teach you everything. And not only is he going to do that, he's going to remind you of the things that I've taught you. So there's an idea of here that the Holy Spirit is going to help those that are uh, left behind after Jesus is gone. And that includes us here, that the Holy Spirit is going to begin or help us to seek and find truth, which is what we're praying for today. Now, jump to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 5. This verse right here absolutely blows me away. Okay. John 16, verse 5, uh, 6, 7, and 8 is what we're going to read here. But now I'm going away. Now we're still several chapters away from when Jesus is actually going away. So he's prophesying. He's telling them what is to come. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And none of you has asked me where I'm going. Now it sounds like Jesus is getting a feelings hurt right here. When I read this, it's almost like Jesus is like, y'all don't even worry about where I'm going. But here's what he said. He said, instead, you are very sad. You're not sad I'm leaving. You're sad that I'm leaving you. You're sad that it's going to affect you. But here's what he says. 
But it is actually best for you that I go away. Does that strike anybody else as strange? If I'm a disciple, and we're going to finish this passage in a second. If I'm a disciple, and I'm standing in front of Jesus, who has claimed to be God. I've watched him do miracles. I've watched him heal people, raise people from the dead. I mean, he is telling us, and maybe I still haven't gotten it based on, I I would have been just as lost as most of the disciples here. But he's telling us he's going to die. He's going to return. So there's all, he's claiming to be God and he's saying, listen, I'm leaving and it's best for you that I leave. Now I can't imagine, I know at certain points in my life, there have been times when I thought either inside my head here, or I even said with my mouth, you know, if Jesus were just standing right here, I could ask him, it would be good for me. I would know what to feel, what to think. I'd know how to respond here. If Jesus were here, all this would be fixed. And what Jesus is saying is no. Listen, it's better for you that I go away. Why? Continue reading here in verse uh, 7. Because if I don't, the counselor, what was the counselor? The Holy Spirit, which he had already referenced. The counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, if you look at these last three things, he will convince the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Why are those things there? Because we've already referenced in John 14 that the Holy Spirit's role is to illuminate truth in the world. And what is truth? That we are all sinful without God. That God is righteous and holy and just. And because of that, he must judge sin. That's the truth. The truth is that we are guilty. God is not. And he must punish sin. There's a day of judgment coming. All right. So Jesus is standing in front of them saying, listen. The Holy Spirit's coming. And it's better for you that he come than for me to stay here. Now, the first thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's not kind of, sort of, God's helper. He's not kind of, you know, I heard this said a few months ago. He, this guy was talking about his understanding of the Trinity, the Trinity being God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy, God the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, yeah, I understand that they're, they're all kind of, this is what he said, kind of God, but I kind of view it like the company that I work for. You know, God's the CEO, and then Jesus is kind of like the vice president, and then the Holy Spirit's just kind of that guy that just roams through the building, making sure everything gets done. Which is kind of a good depiction, I guess, if that's the way you understand it as far as how you relate the metaphor. But that's not true. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-equal. They are co-eternal. Meaning that everything that you think about God the Father is true of the Spirit. Everything that you think about the Son is true. Now, the the different manifestations of God through Father, Son, and Spirit may may vary, but the nature is exactly the same. They are co-equal, co-eternal. The Holy Spirit is God. And that's important for us to understand as we get into this, because we have to know from point one here that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. We're talking about this. If you've got a Bible right there with you, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. I still hear some turning, so I'm going to wait just a second. This is not on the screens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was empty 
a formless mass cloaked in darkness and the spirit of God, capital, capital, spirit of God was hovering over its surface. The Holy Spirit is not someone or something that only got introduced to the story in the New Testament. Right here at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit of God was hovering over this formless mass of earth. So from the beginning of the story, the spirit played a key key role. So the first thing you got to understand is the Holy Spirit is God. The second thing that you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is in those who believe. The Holy Spirit is in those who believe. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans, again, is in the New Testament. You can just kind of keep flipping the right pages towards the left if you're still holding your spot there in John. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to come back to this in a few minutes, but I want you to look at this verse. This is a verse that some use when they talk about, and I'm just going to catch this phrase, and if you don't understand it, just let it drop off for a little while. This is not important, but if you've heard someone talk about the indwelling of the Spirit of God versus the infilling of the Spirit of God, we're talking about indwelling right here, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So there's an if there, but then look at this in parentheses. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. So when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, when you enter into relationship with God, you see here that the Holy Spirit being controlled by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God living in you, in the parentheses it calls it the Spirit of Christ. In in Genesis 1 it was the Spirit of God. In other passages we just read it was the Holy Spirit. When When you believe in and enter into a relationship with God the Father, you have this Christian relationship that now you're kind of trading on, then the Spirit of God now lives in you. This indwelling, it it is in you. He is in you. Flip now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You just keep going to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Says this, Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Now, there's a larger context of this story, but it it helps to reiterate the truth that you as the temple of God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you for those that believe, because this is a passage here where where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and talking to them about the way that they should honor God and avoid certain types of sins and the way that they should honor their bodies in relation to that. So the Holy Spirit lives in those, is in those who believe. All right, now flip to the book of Galatians. Keep going with me. To your right, book of Galatians chapter 5. I want us to look for just a moment here, and maybe you, you're very familiar with this. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. When I was about five or six, seven years old, I guess, I was in school. I think it was, maybe I was seven or eight because my brother was then in school too. We used to come downstairs for breakfast and sit at our kitchen table. And for most of my growing up years... We would sit at the kitchen table. There was a television with a VCR sitting there on the counter, and we would watch episodes of Andy Griffith. Just what we did in the morning. At one point in my life, we had every single episode on tape. There are things that some of you do, and I think of a line from Andy Griffith. It just happens. Some of you are like that with other shows, I know. But there was a season when we first got into school, when when me and my brother were both in school, 
that we began doing these little short devotionals together as a family. Now, we did devotions at different times throughout the day and different seasons of our life. It, it moved. But for a short season there, when we were both in school, I have one brother, so when we were both in elementary school, we had these, these little smaller than business sized cards. And every day we would pick one of them up and there would be like one little scripture and one little thought. And we would just talk about those as a family sitting around the table. Most of the time, my dad wasn't awake yet. But me and my mom and my brother, we would sit around talking about those things as a family. And I remember, and I don't know why, but I remember about a week and a half or two weeks of those, those devotionals being about the fruit of the Spirit. It was the first time that I can ever really remember doing that. And my mom did this incredible thing of having like a piece of fruit on the table as she taught about them and showing us that each of these fruit were different and they had different characteristics and different, you know, an apple was different than a banana, but they were still fruit and the process to, to create those things and what that looked like. And she pointed us to Galatians chapter five. So if we are to understand that the Holy Spirit is in those who believe, I want us to look at this passage here in Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 22 says this, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, and some of you just bristled at the word control because you don't like giving up control to anybody. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict in the law or with the law. I want to read those just one more time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the idea being here that when the Holy Spirit controls your life, these are the fruit that are born out of you. So when the Holy Spirit inside of you is in control then the things that come out of your life are these things, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the things that come out of you when the Holy Spirit is, con- is controlling the inside of you. Okay? So I want you to look at that list. Just you, not your spouse helping you with this homework, not a friend. Look at that list. Is that what comes out of you? Love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, some of you would be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty patient. I'm pretty good. I'm not gentle. I have no self-control. I mean, what, I don't know what yours is. If not, if these do not describe the fruit that is exhibited in your life, that kind of comes out of who you are, then you need to ask yourself, am I being controlled then by God's Spirit? If the Holy Spirit is in those that believe, and I say I believe, and the Holy Spirit is in me, then maybe the Holy Spirit is in me, but He doesn't have control of my life. Maybe I still have control of my life and I entered into relationship with God, maybe for entirely pure motives or maybe just because I was told that's what I had to do not to go to hell. But as it relates to living every single day of my life, maybe these things are not the things that are exhibited by who I am and the way that I live and the way that I interact in my home and on the job and heaven help us in traffic, right? Surely this was written before he understood anything about 285. Surely. 
So my question is, if the truth is that the Holy Spirit is in those who believe, then does this look like me? The other thing that I want you to know today is that the Holy Spirit not only lives in those who believe, but works through those who make themselves available to him. The Holy Spirit is not just in me. The Holy Spirit wants to work through me. Why? Because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit existed to bring glory to the Father. To draw men unto himself, to illuminate sin, God's righteousness, and the coming judgment. So we were in 1 Corinthians a minute ago. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians, if you would. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We just talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at the gifts of the Spirit for a moment. The Holy Spirit works through those who make themselves available. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 6. says, there are different ways God works in our lives. But it is the same God who does the work through all of us. Now... Let's make sure we understand some terminology there. There are different ways God works in our lives, but the same God who does the work through all of us. Continue reading in verse 7. A spiritual gift, which maybe you've heard that before, instead of gifts of the Spirit, maybe you've heard uh, spiritual gift. I have the gift of, or he is spiritually gifted in this way, whatever. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. As a means of helping the entire church. Now, I don't want to spend too much time right here because we're dealing with this in just a few weeks as a part of a larger series when we jump back into Ephesians. But there is, in my opinion, a really bad disservice that somewhere along the way we did to the church. And maybe all of you don't feel this way, but I remember at different seasons of my life, I felt this way. That spiritual giftedness or the work of the church could only be done by the pastor or the worship leader or, you know, the children's pastor or the Sunday school teacher or the deacons or the elders or whatever. And so the idea being that only certain people were used by God in the local church. And let me tell you that that's a lie. This, this verse right here says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Everybody say me. You're included in that. When you believe in God, when you enter into relationship, the the spiritual gifts are given to each of us, not so we are like, look at me, I'm gifted. No, why? As a means of helping the entire church. What's the purpose of having a spiritual gift if it doesn't benefit the church? In my opinion, I talked about early on, man, people that have seen all kinds of crazy stuff as it relates to Holy Spirit and Spirit baptism and all all, so many of those things are so pure and amazing in the church, but I've also seen those completely done out of context. Completely misconstrued, completely done in unhealthy ways, and it's turned so many people off and away from this incredibly beautiful thing that is the Holy Spirit. Because some of the people that I encountered saw themselves as being spiritually gifted to bring glory to themselves. So that people would look at them and go, wow, you, God is really working in and through you in this amazing way. And in my opinion, what we see about the Holy Spirit is that it is out of order unless it draws attention to the glory of the Father. So at the end of a moment, and those of you that have known me for a while, you know this is a soapbox. I'll stand here for an hour. When, when the whole, I don't have an hour, but thank you for the amen. But here's the purpose. Here's what I'm saying. At the end of a moment where I believe that the Spirit of God has moved in my life or in someone else's and it's benefited me or I've been a part of that moment, I believe that I must pause and reflect and say, what do I know about the nature of God the Father now that I didn't know before the Spirit worked in my life? 
in a service or in a moment where something manifests itself, God's manifestation, whatever, whatever the words are that you, you choose to use, when the spirit and the power of God is alive and real and active, at the, at the end of that, maybe not in the next moment, but at some point, very closely after that, I need to say, okay, what purpose was that in illuminating the glory of God? Or was it just so I felt better? Or was it just so we felt like we had a good service? I grew up in a time that a good service was defined as the choir sang forever and the pastor didn't get to preach. And I believe that God works in those ways sometimes. But I also believe that sometimes we we create a formula and a ritual that says this is how God moves. So I'm going to do this so God moves. And we have no clue what we learned about God. And so let me get off my soapbox for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what we said there, verse 6 and 7 and 12 says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Keep reading here, verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, wisdom. To another, he gives the the gift of special knowledge or words of wisdom. Verse 9, the Spirit gives special faith to another. And to someone else, he gives the power to heal the sick. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to know whether it is really the spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking. Some would call this discernment. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues or languages. To speak in tongues. Maybe that's a term you're familiar with. And another is given the ability to interpret what has been said in tongues or in this other language. It is the one Only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so here is what this looks like for me. As a believer, I seek the Lord. And I ask God to use me to illuminate him. God, use me, speak through me, do works in me and through me that other people may see that you would you would be working through me so that others see you. When I stand here and and, and talk for 35 minutes, sometimes a lot longer. Thank you, Daryl. But when when that happens. I'm not standing up here so that you'll look at me and think, man, he's a really good talker. I, I want you to look and see God. I want you, when you hear words spoken, I want you to hear the truth of God's word and not my opinion. But the same could be said in any of our spiritual giftedness. When we talk about healing, we talk about faith, we talk about miracles, we talk about discernment, we talk about words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy. Those things are beautiful works of God for the church, for individuals. To hear and to know that God is with them. No matter what they're facing, God is working in their situation. So my hope is that we would understand, for those of us that are believers, that we would seek God to know that the Holy Spirit works through those who make themselves available. And that's not some crazy thing. Again, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We're going to come back to spiritual gifts. I want you to know that all of us today who are believers can be used by the Holy Spirit, for the sake of the Father. I want to read this passage to you. It's it's a passage from a book by an author. Uh, He was a former pastor out in California. Now he travels and does a lot of different ministry. But his name is Francis Chan. He's written a book. It's an incredible book. If you're looking for more resources on the Holy Spirit, he's got a book called Forgotten God. 
that talks about the Holy Spirit. The, the entire subject matter of the book is, is the Holy Spirit. And as I was reading this, uh, I came across this quote that I thought was incredible and describes a lot of what I think we're talking about today and maybe what some of our experiences have been. It says, if it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of him or her and the person who does not? This may be a silly illustration, but if I told you I had an encounter with God where he entered my body and gave me a supernatural ability to play basketball, wouldn't you expect to see an amazing improvement in my jump shot, my defense, and my speed on the court? After all, this is God we're talking about. And if you saw no change in my athleticism, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? I have to ask myself, is there any difference in me than those who say they don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Do I exhibit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness, goodness and self-control better than those who don't even believe in the Spirit of God, which we were told that that's the fruit of Him being in our lives, controlling our lives? Do I live in such a way that I am open to being used by God for the church so that however God chooses to use me, that I would say yes to him for the benefit of another person, believer or unbeliever. So that they could know God in a deeper way. My question today is, as we live our lives, are we living lives that are led by the spirit of God? I mean, the first three weeks of this series have been about our focus and our priorities and our relationships. And all of those things, for the most part, are things that you and I can do on our own. We can adjust our focus. We can adjust our priorities. We can invest in our relationships and adjust those to some degree. But as we get into the spirit uh, that we have inside of us, yeah, maybe we can change certain things. But really what we're talking about here is giving up control of our lives to the spirit of God So that our spirits reflect his spirit and our lives reflect him. And that out of those lives which are controlled by him are these fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And also we're being used by God in ways that benefit others for his purposes. Or did I just pray a prayer? And start attending a weekly gathering, but live the way I want to live the rest of the time. I mean, do I believe that when the Bible says that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that that means when you look at me, you see the house that God lives in. That it's not some bracelet that's WWJD, what would Jesus do? But that my actions should be filtered through the person that is controlling my life. How would God respond to this situation? What would God do if he were standing here on my job and heard what I just heard? How would he respond to that? What would God do when he had the opportunity to compromise himself looking at the two things that I'm looking at here and seeing, well, I could shave a few points off here, a number here or there. I could do. How would God respond? 
When my children do something that I know is wrong, what is my response in discipline if God is controlling my life? What is is shaping me to attempt to shape them to honor God? In my marriage, in my singleness, in my church. Is my life being controlled by the Spirit of God? This is what we're talking about. That Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for you that the Holy Spirit come than for me to be standing right in front of you. It's better for you that you don't just have to listen to my teachings and see these amazing things that God's doing through me. It's better for you that God, through the Spirit, would live inside of you. I'm going to ask the band to come. What does that look like for you? I mean, are you being led by the Spirit of God? Are you being controlled by the Spirit of God? As we look to recharge our spirits, I believe that if we start here and we, be, we become controlled by the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God and we understand that the Spirit of God is God Himself, that our focus changes. That our priorities change. That our relationships change. Why? Because it's not through my efforts to change me, to be the best me I can be. It's the Spirit of God at work in me to create in me a heart and a focus and a priority in relationships that honor the Father. As we jump back into school for some of, some of the families that have kids in school, or maybe you're a teacher, administrator, maybe, maybe for you the summer's no different than the fall. Your job does not change one bit. But as we jump back into the month of August, we're now more than halfway through with this year. Some of us set some incredible resolutions at the beginning of this year, and we were going to do all these amazing things. Let's throw those out the window, and let's just say right now in this moment, at 11... 32 for those of you that are wondering on July the 29th in Creekview High School who controls your life who controls your life what is what is the controlling entity of who you are is it you and your best efforts and your attempts to be self-controlled of your own devices is it you and your best efforts to be gentle and kind Is it you trying to figure out how to respond to others in ways that benefit them and trying to be who they need you to be and meet their needs? Or is it acknowledging you believe in God the Father, you've received the gift of salvation through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And so now the fruit of that life, when you give control to Him, will honor God and people will look to that and go, how do you respond this way? And you point them to the Father. When we're gathered together as a church or you're in the community, you would be used by God through these incredible gifts and there are others. This was not an exhaustive list. You would be used by God and through these gifts to benefit others for Him. I want to go back as we conclude. To Galatians chapter 5. It's where we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit. 
And I want to enlarge the text that we just read and expand it just a little bit. Read a few more verses on the front end and on the back end. Because I believe this is where we're at. And then we're going to open the altars. We're going to give opportunity for anyone that wants to come and pray today for a variety of reasons to do that, to respond to God. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. says, So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. See if any of these connect to what we see in our culture. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisiveness or division, and feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Than what we just read, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. Continue reading verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You have two options. You can live by your sinful desires or by control of the Holy Spirit. You see the two resulting tracks here that you have options to. And, and some of us, whether we would never verbalize this, but some of us in our minds just said, no, I would, you know, I would choose the middle. I don't want to give up control, but I don't want to do the worst stuff that I just read right there. So, you know, I'll kind of do it my own way and and I'll continue to come to church and I'll be good. You don't have that option. You give up control of your life. You lean into the, the spirit of God. And then as this last verse says, then you follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of your life. You can't pick and choose which parts you get to control, which parts you get to lead, but you follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of your life. And you know, that's sometimes where we feel like, man, this is this Holy Spirit thing. This is a little out there. Following the Spirit of God that I can't see. Following something that I don't really understand fully. Giving up control to something that's really based on faith anyway. Let me just say to you, giving control of your life to the Spirit of God will not lead you in the wrong direction. Now, I know for some of you, that's, that's no, that that's takes just as much faith as believing what we just read. 
but I would ask you to try it. I would ask you to look for moments where you get to make a decision and, and, and listen for the still small voice of the, of the Spirit of God inside of you before you respond. Before you choose to go or not go, you would listen to God's voice. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to open the altars today. I really felt led to do this. I may be the only one that comes down there. But I really believe today that we need an opportunity to respond to this. That we need the opportunity to say to God, I'm just going to say yes to you. I don't really even know what the question is yet. I'm not sure where you might lead me. And I'm not talking about just moving somewhere. But I don't know how you might lead my life and guide my life. But I'm just saying yes to you now. I'm responding to you to say I give you control. That I want the fruit of my life to be the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want the fruit of my life to be the things that come out of my own sinful desires. We're saying yes to God. God, I, I, I don't understand all of this spiritual giftedness, but I'm saying yes to you now to make myself available to you, to be used by you, to receive your power, the power to be your witness, the power to, to, to do faith-filled things and healing and miracles and prophecy. I'm saying yes to you now. With nobody looking around, if that's you, would you just stand? I'm saying yes to God. I want to be controlled by your spirit. I believe in you. This is not a matter of salvation. This is a matter of me trusting completely in you. You say, God, today I just give you control. I ask your spirit, which lives inside of me, to lead and guide and direct my steps so that I may honor you in all that I do. I'm going to ask those who are some of our ministry a team for the altars, if you would come and be prepared to pray with some folks. God, I pray today for those that are standing, those who are attempting to decide now if they should stand. And while there is no supernatural work necessarily in standing and walking down front, this is a matter of the heart. I would pray for the boldness and courage to respond in a visible way for themselves to say, this is not something I would normally do, but I'm giving control to God here. I'm responding in a way that's not my normal routine here. And I want to come forward so that my brothers and sisters here in this body can join with me in prayer. This is not about admitting sin. This is not about talking about weakness. This is a really a strength-filled act here of responding to God. And so God, would you bless these moments of prayer that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're standing, I'm going to ask you just to come to the front. There are several people here that are prepared to, to pray with you. And if you're still sitting in your seats and you're trying to decide, I would encourage you just to stand and come forward. And to respond to this. To say, God, I trust you. I'm giving control of my life to you. I want to be used by you. I want the fruit of my life to honor you. I want the gifts that you say that I can have to be manifest in my life so that others may see you in a greater way. And if that's the case, I encourage you just to come. As they pray, Justin, the band's going to lead us in worship.